Well, hi there. Bet you've been wondering where I have been. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. This is Lauren K. Hickman, uh, smiling and laughing uh, because I'm a little rusty. (laughs) How's that sound? I I have a lot to catch you up on. Let me tell you. Um, since last we talked, I got my car back five weeks after it had been crashed and stolen and egged and <laughs> batted by 14-year-olds here in Milwaukee. Um, I have joined a class action lawsuit. I have moved into a new home. I went back to Des Moines and saw more clients than I've ever seen uh, in (laughs) it was amazing it was amazing Uh, and also a couple little emotional meltdowns and breakdowns in between all of those (laughs) things happening Um, yeah so here I am I'm back I took a moon report break because I needed it (laughs) I'm sure that you understand but I'm back and it's the new moon in Scorpio so that's what we're going to be talking about today wherever you are so I'm coming at you live from my new basement Um, I'm hearing the furnace behind me I hope that that is not too fuzzy or maybe you need white noise maybe my podcast is your ASMR session for you to to find your calm, to check in, or just to hear me giggle and talk to myself uh, in a new space, surrounded by my books and belongings. Um, man, I I don't even know where to start. I, I, you know, back in the Libra New Moon, probably the last time you heard from me, um, I had a podcast guest, Travis Abels, a beautiful, beautiful human being. And he was like, hey, you and your you and your tree you and tree should you should you should help and come and do this this thing i'm like what thing the artist's way the artist's way is a 12-week recovery program for artists who are floundering in their own self-pity madness fears uh habits all of the things patterns negativity um self-doubt self-sabotage the crazy makers and monsters that make life very difficult or distracting or our own inner chaos and wounded child. Uh, So that that would seem really appropriate to start out with a Libra new moon. And um, I've never done the artist way with a group. I've done morning pages in the past. And if you are a client of mine, it may be something that I have uh, recommended for your neuroses because um, your brain does not lie to you at 6 or 7 or 8 a.m. whenever you get up and you just start scribbling. And if this is, this is something you're interested in, the short of it, it's pretty simple. You get a book that you don't show anybody else and you write in it. You write in it whatever comes to your mind, even if it's, oh my gosh, I don't want to write anymore. Why do I have to write anymore on this page? Uh, so that you can get through three pages of your nonsense, out the way, out the door, out the brain, first thing in the morning. It's a good practice. I highly recommend. 10-10 recommend. Um, but what's been happening with this is just weeks and weeks of, of doing this morning practice of these pages. 
um, and doing these tasks that are um, amazing and fun, uh, but also pretty painful. I've uh, come uh, come across a lot of wounded child stuff inside of me, which has not been great um, to feel. (laughs) Uh, I I need to have more fun in my life. So if you know how to have fun. Um, you should tell me what you do for fun, you know, text or DM me or email me and and give me some thoughts on how you create fun in your life, especially in the middle of a, of a pandemic. Um, I don't like board games typically. Um, I kind of miss roller skating. Uh, didn't do a lot of that. Um, yeah, a lot of the time I just stare out the window, right? And I was thinking a lot about my child self and how you could stick me in a room full of toys and crayons and paper and like building blocks and all the things. And I probably would just sit there and stare at the wall um, because that was more interesting to me for some reason. Or perhaps it's that reality feels very difficult at times because it's very, very physical, very uh, material. Um, Wish I had more earth in my chart. If you are an earthy person, Damn it, keep going, keep building, build that dream, do that thing. Oi, oi. Um, Dragon's here, uh, he is, he's doing well. Um, just wanted to check in. Uh, he rolled in shit yesterday and uh, we just went for a walk in our new neighborhood. Um, I miss being really close to the lake and we had all these dope river trails back on the east side of Milwaukee. Uh, Bayview has its benefits. Um, owning a house is is wonderful. Being a part of that process of uh, building something together, of renovating, of sanding and priming and staining and painting and rolling and arms hurting and back hurting and just getting up and doing it day after day, which was most of my October. Um, I ended up just like laying on the floor for a day and then I flew back to Des Moines Uh, Also a recommendation on that because I don't like driving that six hours. Um, So you might, you might see me flying back more often uh, if I can make that work. Anyhow, what what was I talking about? The, the artist way anyway. Oh, and dragon rolling in poop, uh, which is a very Scorpio season thing to do. Um, My dog is a Sagittarius. He's a Scorpio rising sun in the second house certainly has some uh, security and abandonment issues just like me and my inner child. So I was talking about my inner inner kid and um, all this Mars Pluto energy that I am currently experiencing in my life because this season highlights my second house that is a stacked Scorpio stellium. Um, so basically I've having to confront a lot of old versions of self, uh, dealing with my resources, my money, my relationships, what I value, all that good stuff, right? Really fun, really fun to get honest with yourself. Um, so I kind of had a meltdown the other night and I ended up attacking my basement in a good way, which meant unpacking boxes and rewatching Maniac for like the fifth time. If you've not seen that show on Netflix, um, it's so good. I just love when directors do something really out there, creating sort of a parallel dimension or reality that has fun things like little robots that pick up dog poo and um, talking koalas that play chess with you in, uh, in parks in New York City. I digress. 
<laughs> Thanks for letting me play with you. Uh, so I've been unpacking boxes and um, most of my boxes are not filled with tchotchkes, but they are filled with notebooks. So many notebooks, dozens and dozens of notebooks. Um, I have always been a writer and that means that there, there are a lot of things that I carry with me because there's some attachment to these old versions of self that are carried in these sacred novels of nonsense. And Mari Kondo would be pissed at me because, you know, I, I'm always like, oh, and one day I'll go back and like write a book. And I have yet to do that. That's why I'm doing the artist's way. Uh, can you tell this is all correlated? Um, and I went through my notebooks and I found the former versions of myself are, are still, were exhibiting the same issues that I'm having today with my current version of self. And that messed me up a little bit. Uh, I Trust me, all of this is going to loop around back to the, the new moon in Scorpio energy. But um, I just wanted to name that. Uh, you know, I think some people may get the idea that I might have my shit together a little bit better than other people, which is uh, not true. <laughs> uh, I am still processing a lot of my shame, trauma, patterns, weaknesses, blind spots, shadows, all appropriate for Scorpio season stuff. Am I right? So I'm reading these, these pages written by 16, 17 year old me. And she's writing rather openly about drug use and love of cannabis and numbing with opioids and other fun things that I don't care to talk about openly. Um, but I, I mean, I was, I was trying to coat very deep pain and, you know, I, I've done, I've done ancestral work, um, with a, with a person named Rona Prince. Uh, Rana, Rana Prince. And um, I met her when I was 17. She does uh, mediumship. And I, I may have mentioned her in the past. Maybe I should invite her on here at some point. But um, we did some work around my early use of drugs and alcohol and how a lot of that was stuff that I was bringing through from previous <laughs> DNA generations of my family history. Um. That being said, there were many patterns that were being exhibited back then about this lack of structure, feeling undisciplined, feeling like an outsider. Hello, Uranus conjunct the IC in Capricorn. Um, it's Uranus and Sag, but yeah, it's like right down there. So a lot. It was a lot to process. Um, this feeling of being an outsider, of not having good time management, of like not knowing what to do for work or what to do with myself. And I've always done a lot better when I was in school or within communities of some capacity where people could see me and hold me accountable and I could hold them accountable. And I realized just how frustrating and awful this pandemic soon to be an endemic uh, 
has been on me um, because my my whole life has radically changed. Um, the move to Milwaukee um, has its benefits and its problems. Like I miss I miss working at Kin. I miss seeing your faces on a regular basis, even if they were behind masks. I miss playing with crystals every day and doing my thing. I felt like I was really a part of something finally. And maybe there was a like a bit of self-sabotage removing myself from that. Or maybe it was me trying to remove myself from painful situations in my life that were part of my patterns. Um, but it hurt. It hurt after, you know, having 11 years of sobriety, having done as much meditation practice and as much work as I've done on myself, um, classes, metaphysics, studies, just ripping myself apart, just like anyone with a lot of Scorpio in their makeup. Um, I have been tearing myself down and rebuilding myself over and over again. And I think that I've found the kink in the foundation, that part that like, you just, you can't like, you can't avoid it. That brick is like out of place. I have to go back in and dig it out. And it hurts. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but I'm taking action. And I would say to anyone experiencing something similar, if you are resonating with any of this, then you are right on time. You are right on time for Scorpio season. Um, take action. I think those are the words for this month, um, considering that this is you know, the last new moon before eclipse season begins. Uh, the eclipse falls on, let me look through my notes here. Sorry, brain. I want to say the 19th, but I want to make sure I'm right about it. Yep. Taurus eclipse is happening, people. Uh, so this new moon falls on uh, today, tomorrow, because I'm recording this close to midnight on uh, the space between the third and the fourth. This is the problem, people, with like time structures is that we have to say silly things like, oh, it's like the midnight of the third, but is that the fourth? Is that zero at the four or is it like a hundred at the third? <laughs> okay, I'm obviously goofy as hell right now. Um, so this new moon is happening here in Central Standard Time um, about 4 p.m. on Thursday, November 4th, the new moon in Scorpio. And the sun is absolutely a thousand percent directly opposite of Uranus, as is the moon, because we all know that new moons are when the sun and the moon are chilling together, not opposite, but right on top of each other. So this is that seed planting time where we get deep, check into the soil of self. And now I will read to you what I wrote this evening about the new moon in Scorpio. It is time. Avoidance is futile. There are no more corners to turn. You've worn out all the distractions. Every excuse is threadbare and your idle hands are now shaking. You turn to your reflection in the mirror. Your hair is longer your skin crepes a bit more than before, and the pores on your hands are more prominent. It is time. 
Whatever it is, and you know what it is, your body knows what it is. The path has been paved. The players are in position, and there are two options here. You can run and deal with it later on as it falls back around back into your plate, or you can face the music, as they say. Face the day, seize it, squeeze it, kiss it, rub it, rub it all over your face, if you must, but evasion, avoidance, has done you nothing but cause more suffering. This new moon in Scorpio is a moment of resurrection, like those notebooks. Your past tendencies you thought were buried to rest long ago are now resurfacing, like coffins popping up from oversaturated ground. Let Scorpio's water wash over you. Let it cleanse the layers of detriment and sediment, the self-deception, layers of glamour, delusion, the putting your best face forward and all the little lies you've been telling yourself to avoid doing the work. Scorpio sees you and it wants the truth and will stop at nothing to reflect back the same. Once the wound is on your sleeve, once it is seen, it cannot be unseen. And then, and only then, can you deal with your pain and begin the process of healing. Find time to quiet your thinking function and reflect on your desire for change, for the new. And let inspiration whisper into your heart-mind. We have to let go to make space for the what's to come and what we've been wishing for all along. So that's my take on the new moon in Scorpio. Um, some of the insights in that are you know, Neptune's placement in Pisces in the 12th house. Um, it has an easy energy across from the sun and moon. I think that really allows us to tap into higher self that um, we, have, we have the mirror inside of us we have to ask our bodies what we need and what we haven't been listening to. Again and again, I have clients that are seeking clarity, um, but honestly, they, they know what's going on inside of them, but it's often the not wanting to go there. And Scorpio likes going there. So this is a season to finally dig deep. You know, I talk so much about the compost heap of Scorpio season. This is the place where we let everything die. We pile up the leaves, all of the stems and roots and leftovers from the crop and the harvest. And we have to turn it over. And it transforms, it changes, it becomes something new. It becomes fresh soil, new ground to plant new seeds. And this is the time. This is the time to commit to yourself to being honest and truthful and genuine with yourself. Scorpio cuts through. It is piercing. It is intense. It is like looking over a sea and the blackness and the darkness and the depths beneath. All the things we fear to navigate, that which we cannot see. So I wish you well on your journey of recovery, uncovery, 
going back through those journals and uh, yeah, I threw them away. I just want you to know. Uh, maybe I'll find myself dumpster diving. Um, I just can't carry this weight anymore. I can't. I can't do it. And you shouldn't have to either. So let's shift gears, shall we? Um, I am stoked to bring on Haley Nischel onto the show. She's had me on her podcast, the Breath of Rebellion podcast. And Haley is an enigma. I don't even know how to describe her. You know, you can say like, oh, she's a yoga teacher. Um, She's not a yoga teacher. This is like a metaphysical bitch that is bringing her full self, all of her crazy wisdom to the table to explore and find discipline and consistency in a way that like I am not able to do. However, um, I love Haley and I want to be more like her. So maybe that is my lesson is trying to figure out how to do my life my own way, but with like a little more put togetherness, uh, which is kind of what I lack. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty slapdash. Uh, I, um, this is my full-time job and I still am trying to figure out what my day-to-day life is like. And I, I don't know if that's just the nature of being an astrologer and, and following the flow and the rhythms of life. Uh, and my Venus and Pisces, which is like, I want to do fun things like go see Dune, even though I should be working on a report. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so Haley and I spoke this afternoon. We talk about Scorpio season. We talk about her specific journey. Uh, I met her in February of 2019. Um, She was about ready to embark on a transformative adventure to do a one-month-long intensive yoga teacher training at Sattva in India. So she put her life on hold, let everything aside, and started doing the work. And let me tell you, this is not, you know, the eat, pray, love kind of experience. This is like... uh, excavation, peeling back the layers, shedding skins. And yes, in tropical astrology, in Western astrology, uh, Haley is a Scorpio rising, which is kind of why I brought her on today. Haley also utilizes Jyotish or Vedic astrology uh, to assist her with her clients in doing breath work, kriyas, movements, talks, dharma, meditation, um, just really applying a lot of different tools for transformation. There are so many layers to what she does and what she offers, and she's always changing her offerings. Highly recommend signing up for a series of workshops where you're doing uh, more more breath intensives. Um, You know, not if you're pregnant this is not for you <laughs> you can learn meditation obviously but the the breath work is not something that should be done um if you are carrying a human inside of you because of uh some of the blood flow stuff um you can talk to her about that check out breath of rebellion uh she is on the instagram sharing the cute photos of herself and her cute freaking hair. Um, I miss having a half-shaved head, Haley. Um, you make me want to bring that shit back, but um, kind of have my style, my nice shaggy 80s goofy self look. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna turn the mic over to Haley. I'm um, glad to share with you my adventure. Uh, things are going to get better.
Well, I am really stoked <laughs> to have you join me on this blessed day in Scorpio season. Um, mm -hmm. Haley, I am so excited to have you on. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and um, tell me tell me about what you do. So I'm Haley, obviously. Um, so who am I? Such a question, right? Like, it's like the existential question. Um, I'm a lot of things. I am a mother to a 13 year old. I am a yoga, meditation and breathwork teacher. I am like fiercely dedicated <laughs> to self-development and growth. Um, I am creative. I am expansive and I am so happy to be here with you today. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, I, I think of when you, when we kind of focus in on like, you know, what, what am I, I am. And then in Sanskrit, we have that. So hum, I am, I am that. And in the meditation that we just kind of circuited, it's this idea that we're connected with everything and that we're so expansive. And I know that you've really dedicated yourself to transformation work through pranayama practices, which is the controlled aspect of working with spiritual life force energy and specifically through breath work. And I know we, we kind of speak different um, astrological languages because I obviously work with Western tropical astrology and you've dedicated a good deal of this year to integrating Vedic astrology into your personal practice. And um, for those listeners out there, Vedic astrology is old AF, um, and <laughs> as is Western astrology. I mean, we're going back 2,500 years. And just like world faith systems, right, that there is a truth at the center and at the core of every truth, every wisdom teaching in the world. And so this is not an episode about um, Vedic is better than Western astrology. <laughs> or evolutionary is better than Vedic because I obviously pull from a lot of traditions myself because it is impossible to be complete in one unit. You know, that's why we study astrology or the human genome or what is that one called? The generator, what am I, human design. Human design. <laughs> right, which is not something that I know that much about. I'm, I'm more interested in the seven ray makeup and astrology and, and kind of the esoteric perceptual field that Jung studied. Um, but Haley, you are, you know, I met you on my very first astrology pop-up with Kin on Groundhog Day, which is, you know, kind of a, it's a sacred, it's, we're kind of passing one of those, those markers in the year, uh, Halloween being one of those eighth markers in between the equinox and the solstice. And in bulk is the same thing, that it's a marker between the solstice and the equinox in the, in the winter months. Um, and I remember you had not yet gone to India. You were still working at your corporate job. You asked me, should I go do this yoga teacher training? And I said, <laughs> you need to be out there teaching and following your path and doing the, the esoteric health stuff with your uh, tropical, tropical Virgo sun in the 10th house and then your, your Scorpio rising. And I, I thought that you'd be a perfect guest for Scorpio season considering transformation and you know, talking about the compost heap and putting yeah. our shit into the compost so, so that it can turn over, transform, and allow for new space for new seeds and new gardens of self to grow. 
Um, so I, I'd love to just kind of like hand it over to you to, to share your story, if that's something that feels meaningful yeah. to you. And maybe we can get into some of the Vedic astrology stuff if you wanted to share that being the yeah. inspired astrology podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all very synchronous, our meeting um, almost almost three years ago, you know, coming up on three years ago. So we met and was, you know, January, February. Yeah. 2019 Groundhog's Day. So about six or seven months prior was when things kind of started to um, really shift for me energetically. Um, in June of 2018, I left uh, a partner that I had been living with for a few years and um, sort of, you know, had like what I had, what I thought was sort of like a midlife crisis. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like every relationship I had 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 failed, um, not necessarily failed, but wasn't working out. Um, I was desperate for love. I was always desperate for connection. I was, um, binge drinking. I was using drugs regularly, even though I was a mother, I was like spending all my time partying when I didn't have my child. And I kind of had like a come to Jesus moment where it was like, <laughs> is this really how I'm going to spend the rest of my life? Like, you know, short-term relationship after short-term relationship, party after party, like what is going on? So, um, you know, the year prior, I'd kind of, I'd been a long time yogi. I'd been practicing yoga for almost eight, nine years at this point. So I'd practiced yoga for a really long time, but it really had never done anything for my drug use or my um, mindfulness aspect or my consciousness, but it did make me very curious about spirituality and the mind-body connection. Cause I started to feel how like, you know, intentional movement with breath would inherently make me feel better mentally um, and emotionally, but it was kind of temporary, right? It's sort of like, yeah, asana tends to be sort of like a mood maker, um, just like, oh yeah, I'm in a good mood now, but it doesn't stay. So um, I had a series of like symptoms, you know, like, uh, like hair falling out, acne, um, constipation, couldn't sleep, um, very anxious. And so through all these symptoms, I came to an integrative medicine practitioner who helped me heal some major gut imbalance. And I started to realize how um, my gut and the foods I was eating was actually affecting the thoughts I was having. And so that was sort of the kicker, the kickoff to getting more curious about the mind-body connection. Um, I started really diving into eating cleaner food, healthier food, organic and through that process, I got introduced to a life coach. Um, so my, I started working with this woman in Colorado. She helped me um, sort of repair yeast overgrowth, candida overgrowth. And somehow I came into connection with this woman named Shannon, who was a life coach. And I was like, oh, life coach. Like, at first I was kind of like, I didn't even know what a life coach was. I was like, it sounds kind of hokey, like, you know, like a life coach, like you're going to coach me on how to live my life. Um, but I felt called to meet with her. Um, you know, I got connected with her Facebook group somehow and her messages were resonating with me. And so I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to do a call with her. And, you know, during this call, it was basically like a free coaching call, like a, like a sales and pitchy at the end kind, kind of thing. But through this call, I was really she was helping me get clear on like what it is I wanted to feel and how I wanted to show up in the world. 
And so I invested with her an insane amount of money. Like (laughs) at the time I was like, what am I doing? Um, But I was just this inner call. It was just like, yeah, this is, this is what's happening. So I started working with Shannon and um, one of the first stipulations of work together was that I start meditating. Um, She didn't give me any guidance, really. She did give me some recorded uh, meditations that were specific to some issues I was working through, but there wasn't really a technique, you know, um, a lot of like close your eyes and just be with yourself, be with your thoughts. Here's a couple guided meditations. And so I, within like a couple months, I was getting pretty curious about my, um, what I now consider alcoholism, you know, I was like, man, like, what is it about myself that I can't sit with on the weekends? Like, why do I feel this urge to just escape constantly? Um, my thing had been for many years was like drug, sex, and rock and roll. roll. Like I like to go to shows. I like to get fucked up and I like to, you know, <laughs> take whatever person home <laughs> that was willing and also wanting to have a good time. So, um, through meditation, I started to really question my alcohol and drug use. Um, Around the same time, I randomly came across a a sale on 23andMe, the DNA test. And so something I've mentioned yet is that I was given up for adoption at birth. I was um, given up immediately at birth and then placed with my parents two months later um, in November of 1982. So it was never really a thing for me. I always knew, right? It was something that they hid from me. I always knew I was adopted but I always felt like a black sheep. I always felt different. You know, my parents struggled to have children. So they adopted me and then they got pregnant um, as happens quite frequently in cases of adoption. (laughs) So I have a younger sister who is, you know, biologically my parents' child and we're very different. Um, And I am very different from my family. And so there was always this disconnect. They're great people, great parents, very stable. um, But you know, I always just felt different. I felt more like I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to dance. I didn't want to do the traditional conventional shit of like sports and school and what have you. So anyway, the sale comes about 23 and me. And I wasn't even thinking adoption. I was honestly thinking like, what if I have the cancer gene? You know what I mean? Like, what if I have something like really wrong with me? So, um, I ordered the kit and, um, actually spit into that tube while I was doing cocaine and was like thinking like, oh, like, oh, I wonder if it's going to show up in the DNA test. Like, um, but that's kind of where I was at that time. Like, you know, starting to get curious about my drug use, but not actually doing anything about it, doing the test. Um, Well, I get the test results back. There is a um, potential match for a cousin. So I sat on that for, um, you know, a month or so. And then one day I got a wild hair and just was like, fuck it, I'm just going to email her. And so I sent the email and within, uh, within maybe 20 minutes, I got a Facebook message and it was from her. And she was like, Hey, I got your email. I just wanted to see physically what you looked like. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I might know, you know, who, who your biological dad is, um, because you look similar to my dad's side of the family. And he has a brother who gave a child up for adoption. So this all happened so fast. Like, you know, I sent the email, she DM'd me. And then later that night, she's like calling me to say, I know who your dad is. He still knows who your mom is. They both live in Sioux city and he wants to talk to you. And I was just like, 
what? (laughs) Holy shit. So um, over the next few months, I started to make contact with them. Um, I had a conversation with John the next day. My biological mother, Linda, took a little bit longer for her. He reached out to her to let her know that um, him and I had connected and she uh, wasn't open right away to that. She needed time. So um, I'm really thankful for learning or being experimental with meditation because I think had I not been, that would have kind of crushed me, you know, like not this immediate sort of like, oh yes, you know, I want to, I want to talk to her. And so um, Linda called me a couple months later and we started to connect. And so at the same time, I was starting to lessen my drug use, starting to lessen my drinking, meditating more, spending more time alone. And then I um, went up and met them. So I have four half siblings. And then I met Linda, my biological mother, and I met John, my biological father. They're not together, but they're still in the same town where I was born in Sioux City. And um, what I noticed meeting everyone was that I was like, oh my God, I was like looking at people who looked like me, who spoke like me, who they're all musicians, loved music like I did. Um, They were all very magnetic. There was like this charisma about them. Like you just, I wanted to get to know them and not because I, they were interesting, like just really interesting. And so was Linda, but the common thread was alcohol. Like there was a lot of alcohol use. And so I started to um, just become aware that this may go beyond just me, right? Like this is like a generational thing. Um, lots of mental health issues in the family and drinking and fuck. I mean, I look exactly like my biological mom. So it's like looking at a mirror sometimes. And so that really, I love them dearly, you know, and I still have contact with them, but that experience really made me realize that like, I want to shift this. Like, this isn't something, this lifestyle that I have of like, drinking and partying and being at a corporate gig that I don't like, this isn't where I want to be. Like it just meeting them and finding them really empowered me to start just making a different decision. Cause that's really what it ended up being was just like a series of small decisions that led to um, major transformation. So, um, you know, by the end of 2018, it was like December 28th. I was just like, fuck it. I'm just not going to drink during January. I'm not going to drink or do drugs. I'm going to quit smoking. Cause I was a smoker as well. Um, and through this time, I had also been talking to my life coach about like, I want to do something big. You know, I kind of wanted to go to India. I wanted to deepen my yoga practice, not necessarily to be a yoga teacher, but really more for the experience. And so I was grappling with like, do I, you know, take a leave of absence from work? Like, how am I going to do this? Um, so I quit drinking, quit drugging. And then I think it was like January 9th, I had, um, a Reiki session with uh, Denny Kelly, who um, is an elderly gentleman in town. He, for me, has some of the most healing energy I've ever been in, in presence of. And he, you know, we did some EFT, some tapping and some Reiki. And I walked out of there being like, why am I trying to figure out how to leave my job temporarily when I know I don't want to be there at all? Like, it just wasn't fulfilling for me. I was spending 40 hours a, re- a week around people that were frustrated from their careers, like feeling locked into them. And it just was like clear to me. I was like, I'm not scared anymore 
to like do this because obviously I'm a single parent and there had been a lot of feelings of limitation with what I could actually do. Like, could I actually leave my job? Could I actually make money doing something else? Cause I was good at my job. You know, I'm, I have strong mercury in my chart, <laughs> very intellectual analyzing. I was an underwriter. I was good at it. I made a lot of money. And so, um, dealing with, the, you know, what people, people are going to think of me. So the meditation was integral to all of this transformation. So, I mean, it really just kind of set off a series. I mean, in January, I decided I was going to quit in May. Um, I traveled to India in May, stayed there May and June, came back, moved Shiloh, my daughter up to my parents' house for a year and really just spent more time on myself, like doing the work, doing all the practices I had learned in India, the pranayama, the kriya. It was a much deeper yoga, yoga training than what we tend to get here in the United States. Um, really incorporating all the limbs a much more integrated approach, not just about asana, you know, in, in India, like in my yoga school, it was like, I was just, my first impression was like, nobody's flexible. <laughs> we're like, we're all the flexible yogis at, cause I'm really not that naturally flexible either, but no, it was more about um, the power of the mind and um, learning how to refine and control the mind, um, harness life force energy, all of that. So um, that's kind of just like what's been leading me to here now is these like super deep, intense dynamic practices of working with Kundalini, the energy of infinite potential and um, committing to a daily spiritual practice to meditation. And that's what led to sharing it because it was really never, I kind of thought I was going to be like a holistic life coach. I was like, oh, I'll come back and I'll um, help people the way I was helped. And I actually am doing that now just in a different way. Um, so the practices are really transformative and that's, what's really kind of propelled my growth and gotten to me where I am now, where I, I'm a certified life and spiritual coach. I did my 200 hour, my 300 hour. I did the intensive, um, Vedic astrology training with Anand. And, um, now I'm kind of in the point where I am just sharing and serving and showing up that way. So that's a lot of words. <laughs> long story <laughs> I, I think it was pretty succinct you know you had um a recognition the mm. awareness that there was there was some patterns why can't I sit with myself was there a specific incident that that triggered all of that and I know that you had some astrology transits hitting mm -hmm. right around that time that's usually the wake-up call and yes so what I'm going to pull up my own chart here so I can get my visual <laughs> because there is a definite um, trigger, like a timeline trigger that happened because um, in 2014, I entered what's there's a Dasha system in Vedic astrology. So they're like epochs or seasons of your life. And um, which one you're in depends on where the moon was placed at the time of your birth, what sign, and then what portion of the sign because Vedic has um, lunar constellations, these little mini constellations. So, um, and they have their own rulers. So it kind of kicks off this, okay, I was born in Jupiter Dasha. And what that did was start in Jupiter Dasha, then Saturn when I was 18, uh, sorry, 13. <laughs> and for like 20 years, it was very karmic for me, but Mercury Dasha hit 2014. So Mercury is all about, um, intellect and wisdom and knowledge and sharing and movement in life, like travel, um, experience. Mercury is placed in my 12th house in Vedic astrology. So Mercury Dasha may 
bring with it um, interaction with a foreign land. Um, so 2014 was actually when I started practicing yoga. Like I didn't know at the time that I was entering this time period in my life. Um, so in, well, like 2018, I think 2017 was my Jupiter return. Um, so 2017 was um, an interesting year because I was starting to realize that the relationship I was in wasn't it. It's tough to find words because it's like he's a great guy, right? Um, but there we weren't on the same frequency. We weren't on the same wavelength of what we wanted in relationship, how we wanted our interactions to go, what we wanted communication to look like. And so um, I think Jupiter kind of brought about a more uh, like maturing, uh, like healing time for me to really realize that I wasn't a needy person. I just had needs, right? That um, this other person in this relationship that our values weren't aligned, right? Um, and then my nodal return hit, I believe in 2019. And so really shifting into a new life purpose, like a cycle kind of culminating and life purpose shifting. And so if you really get into looking at my chart, the node, my North node in Vedic is placed in Gemini in the ninth house, ninth house guru house, all about teaching. Um, so the depositor is Mercury. Mercury at the time of my nodal return was in Pisces, which is in the sixth house my sixth house of service. Um, so life purpose really shifting into how I'm serving, like how I'm showing up in a service oriented way. So it was really, it was just really beautiful how it kind of unfolded. And I didn't even know it at the time. I only know this now <laughs> because, um, because I've studied it, right? And so I've looked at my chart, but what it shows is that like, through meditating and through, you know, this like sort of internal check on my patterns, um, I was aligning to what energies wanted to flow through me without even knowing, right? Without consciously knowing that these are the placements, this is the epoch. It's not really about that. It's more about like, how can you attune to what nature wants to flow through you, right? Like, you know, I knew in, at the end of 2018 that I wanted to help people because I had started helping myself. And I knew how good that felt and how I was seeing shifts, you know? Um, I mean, 2019, I even, I even did no sex, no dating. You know, I really like got rid of it all. Alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. I even gave up caffeine until I got to India. And then <laughs> they, make, they make caffeine a little too readily available. So, uh, you know, lots of coffee, lots of coffee drinkers over there. Um, but it was really a beautiful, beautiful time. You know, with the nodal return creates shifts and like movement. So, you know, I went to India, I spent a week in Sedona by myself. I moved up to my parents' house um, and then I moved back to Des Moines a year later. So this, there's a lot of movement, um, really fascinating side bit, this nodal return. Um, Shiloh, my child is in Rahu Dasha, which is the node, the North node. So my movement, is also deeply embedded in her chart, right? Like, so she's experiencing this movement of schools and locations and, you know, there's a little bit of mom guilt that comes with that, but um, I'm at a very grounded place now, but it's just beautiful how, you know, you just listen to the whisper from love and it just kind of, you know, you, you're just supported, you keep aligning. Um, but even when I got back from India, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do. You know, when I moved up to my parents, I was like, I don't know my next step. 
And then, cause when I was over there, they had the first Vedic astrology training going on. So there was the 200 hour and then there was the Jyotish crew. And I was like, what is Jyotish? What is Vedic astrology? Like, I didn't even know what it was. So when I got back, I uh, reached out to a gentleman, Amit, who is in that training. And I was like, I want you to read my chart. And he pulled my chart and, you know, you had told me this in, you know, January or February of 2019, like you're a teacher, like you're like meant to share. And, you know, I finally believed it. I think, you know, I can be quite impatient and I've always found it a little bit challenging to teach others, but I, but it was like the subject matter, right? Like when I was in high school, my mom wanted me to tutor my, my sister in math. Cause I was good. And she was great math. And it was so frustrating. I was like, I don't know how to teach you what I know. I just know how to do it, you know? Um, but it really wasn't that I wasn't a teacher. It was that I, it was a subject matter of what like wanted to flow through me. Um, so he was like, yeah, you, you know, you, you need to be sharing this. You need to be leaning in. Like, um, you're really built for this. So, um, yeah, Jupiter on my ascendant, 12th house Saturn, um, Rahu moon conjunction in the ninth house. There's a lot of teaching indications in both charts. So, um, that's why I'm here. I'm here to share. <laughs> I know I'm just like I'm I'm so moved by you know of course you, you always will hear me say that astrology is reflective not causal mm -hmm. so it's easy to say like I'm in a Saturn Dasha I'm I'm having a Saturn square Saturn I'm having all kinds of Saturn shit happening in my mm -hmm. life right now but that's not to say like F you Saturn. It's to say, yeah. like, how can I work with this energy of karma, of past lives, of fears, mm -hmm. of authority issues, of learning how to build yeah. discipline? Um, and it's an invitation. It's an invitation, right? Like Saturn and Mars and the node, the North Node get a bad rap sometimes. Like, oh, they're so malefic and they bring so much pain. And it's like, no, that's all perception, right? Like they offer an invitation for you to expand. Right. Um, and sometimes not paying attention to those timings, you know, because I, I think that a lot of my clients or followers believe that I'm like constantly looking at charts and, and like what, you know, what's moving, what, what movements are happening. And I find that if I, if I lean into that crutch, then the magic disappears, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's really about just letting go and trusting. And this last trip I was in Des Moines, I, I didn't realize my timing was so in alignment, but the sun was right over my Pluto in Scorpio at one degree Scorpio, which mm. is like such a healing and transformative moment. It's about resource and community and values and building that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and the other day Mars crossed over my Pluto. And so I was like super intense and like having all this like neck and power and like, ah, just, you know, and, and I, I think that I needed that information. I looked at my chart because I felt irritated mm -hmm. and instead of just letting that like run away and being a screaming bitch, like I was like, okay, well, I better find a way to channel this energy or I'm in trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was about cleaning and composting and throwing stuff away and going through old notebooks and kind of like the review, but also the action and not yeah. just sitting and stewing. Um, and I'm not, I, I didn't mean to, to circle back around to my experience, but I, I did want to illuminate how transits and the understanding of them can be assistive, but they're mm -hmm. not defining. No, no, they're not defining. And um, many, like Vedic astrology, it's, it's an, it kind of gets a, a 
not a great rap because in India, it is primarily used for predictive um, type things like when should I get married and who should I get married to? But that's why I love the training with the non because he's like, that's kind of bullshit. Like that's not what the science is about. The science is about really unearthing what, what you're here to do, who you're here to be. Like, how do you lean into, into these transits, into these times? Because um, yeah, Saturn transits are intense and, but they're also a really beautiful time to be deeply internal and reflective and contemplative and spend more time in meditation. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, too, and you know, you read people's charts, like, when am I going to get married? It's like, well, let's focus on why you're concerned with when you're going to get married. (laughs) Let's focus on why that is such a major player for you um, versus when is it actually going to happen? But yeah, I mean, it's, it is nice when I like to check where the moon is in the morning. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to transits otherwise, unless I'm having like a a super challenging day or a super like, you know, exciting day, because I like to sort of mark trends. That's what astrology is too, is like pattern recognition. Um, It takes good, strong mercury to be able to see like, and I can see it now, even though they're only reading charts for, you know, what, like nine, nine months now. Um, even just in the people I see like, Oh, this, this is common. I see this in lots of people or even in body types, like, or, um, you know, there's this one, the place that I have it and I recognize it myself and everyone else that was born in 82 and Vedic astrology had Jupiter and Libra. And it's kind of this, uh, uh, tendency to give with the expectation of get, I give to get right. Like the Jupiter Venus combination. So just seeing these sort of trends is really fascinating for me. And it's so parallel to creating transformation in your life because (laughs) you cannot change anything until you're made aware of that, right? And when you start becoming more aware and seeing like, oh, like I'm living my life on a program. Like I'm doing the same thing every day. And because I'm doing the same thing every day, I end up doing the same thing every day. And it just like feeds upon itself. It's why change and transformation can be so challenging for people because you have to move outside of the pattern, you know, and the pattern is comfortable and the pattern is known. So yeah, beautiful. I'm like, oh, pause to absorb. Yeah, for a moment. It's and I think you have such a good you have such a good mind for astrology, and I think that you you know you doing an intensive, and immediately jumping in and applying that. Where yeah. I spent most of my life avoiding learning astrology because I recognized <laughs> how hard it was. Mm-hmm. I have Venus and Pisces as my chart ruler, and I want people to take care of me. I want to stare out the window. I want to just do whatever I want to do, you know, but it's astrology. As soon as Uranus um, transited my natal Mercury, it was on. Like I, mm-hmm. I knew that there was no beating around the bush anymore because astrology is a language I've spoken since childhood, but uh, the charts didn't really illuminate themselves to me until the last decade. I just didn't want to look at them. They they look like spirographs. And that's part of the glamour, I think, in our culture is like, ooh, all these symbols. Like I meet people who are covered in astrological glyphs and don't study astrology. They don't know which one is which one. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing, there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Like you can just like things and think they're pretty. 
But mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember thinking like, oh, I'll get my chart tattooed on me and then I can like always know myself. And it's like, th there's really no point to that. Like everything is changing. I'm evolving. This is- yeah. And astrology itself is an evolving science, right? Because it's trend-based and patterns and patterns change because human psyches are evolving. Mm -hmm. So like what a, you know, Pisces rising looks like now, you know, it's a little bit different maybe than it was, you know, 200 years ago mm -hmm. because we're constantly evolving. And that's, what's beautiful about the science. And it's why it's, it's why I chose to study Vedic astrology. It wasn't that I wanted to learn astrology. I wanted to deepen my understanding of myself because when I look at someone's chart now, I'm able to prescribe them specific kriyas and breath work that really helps stabilize and balance out whatever energies are presenting for them. Um, it's just another tool. That's all. And I think about too, it's like, did I start reading charts too fast? I'm like, oh no, because I spent like six hours a day on calls for six weeks. I mean, it wasn't intensive. I was fortunate enough to be able to have kind of like taken time off from teaching during that time. I didn't, and the only reason I was doing it is because I was a little bit um, burnt out. I had worked really hard the preceding two months, but I needed that time off to like be involved in the live calls, not watch replays because everything builds on the, on the call before it. Um, and then spend those time in between calls. Cause of course, India time, my calls were at like 6am and then at fucking 8.30pm. So I would just study during the day and it really gave me, um, it gave me a leg up. It gave me a lot of support and I loved it. And I knew, I kind of knew I was like, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing this. Like it's coming easier to me because it is a complicated science. Um, you do have to have uh, a stronger intellect to notice these trends and remember everything because you have signs and planets and houses and epochs and nakshatras and all of the things so I love it I think it's great but it is not really by primary offering just like it's it's really not yours either you you use it as a tool of support right to help people facilitate change so um when I do mentorships with people, I always start with a Vedic astrology reading always, because it really helps. Um, it helps me as, you know, a guide, right. To share wisdom practices and help them get through challenges in a way that makes sense to them. And then of course, there's the technological aspect of like, okay, what pieces of the technology do I know that are going to actually really help? And I did a whole series, you know, where we did Kriyas for each planet, breath work for each planet. Um, so you can start like feeling that experience within you because the planets all exist within you, right? I mean, they're all tied to an energy center. Um, you know, the whole idea of like, I am the universe, everything is inside, um, getting this close, intimate connection with them, the cosmos. It's beautiful. So I know that. Um you know, you have, you have some offerings coming up and you're in the middle of like a meditation intensive teaching. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I am not just Haley's friend. I am also a student, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think that it's more than that. I mean, I really feel like you're a colleague and I'm able to, um, recommend my clients to connect with you because of the impact that breath work has had for me. And I did have a question. Um, the word Kriya came up in, uh, I'm actually in the middle of doing the artist's way, which is a 12 week 
artistic recovery program that is a bit dated because it was written like in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, but it, it's very helpful. But she actually used the word Kriya as mm. like a spiritual crisis or a surrender was the way that mm. she described it. And I wanted to actively ask you if you felt like that was an appropriate uh, translation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it... <sighs> Yes, I mean, the word Kriya, I mean, in any Sanskrit word has multi-layer of definitions, right? Meanings, it's all sort of an interpretation, but I kind of like to, I'd like to explain Kriya in the terms of like, you know, this sort of like trilogy of existence of like karma, Kriya, and Dharma, because Kriya not only is a technique, it's, it's, it's an action in general. Um, so my interpretation of Kriya, because we have karma, which is not so much like, you know, if I'm a good person, good things will happen. If I'm a bad person, bad things will happen. It's not an if this, then that. It's more of just an action that keeps us bound, that keeps us from growing. Because I think, you know, I used to see those memes. It's like, oh, but you've changed. Like I'm supposed to. That's what humans are supposed to do. Like souls, minds, bodies, like just keep growing, right? Keep moving along this like evolutionary pathway. So karma is something that prevents that growth, right? It just keeps us limited and bound. So, um, you know, the binge drinking and drugging and my cocaine use was definitely very karmic. It was just keeping me from experiencing the full depth of who I really am. Um, whereas Dharma on the opposite end is this like spontaneous, right? Living it's living in alignment. You don't have, you don't like have purpose or like have Dharma. You live purposefully, you live dharmically, which is like responding to the need of the moment. Right. Um, it's not the idea of that. Like, oh, I'm meant to be a yoga teacher in two or three years from now, how I'm showing up in this world might be completely different. Um, just depending on what's flowing through right so this more like effortless um flow right like a flow state so kriya is the action that takes us from one to the other it's like something the shift in between um it's like true definition in sanskrit means like evolutionary action um so we practice kriya the technique the kundalini like tantric technique so we can infuse our lives off the mat, off the cushion with more Kriya, with more evolutionary action. Um, so Kriya in terms of like, you know, the technique that I teach is awesome, first of all, but it's um, built with, I mean, they're basically techniques that involve like all different aspects of yoga. So like uh, movement, asana, mudras, hand positions, um, positions with the tongue, the eyes, breath work, pranayamas, um, mantra, different types of meditation and Kriya really helps refine like all of the layers of the energetic body. Whereas like breath work alone, if you're just working with breath control, just breath control, no um, dharana, no focus, no, um, no movement, uh, you're really only accessing the breath layer, which is fine. It's good. We need that because it's our first access and entry point to working with our vitality and our life force. Um, but Kriya really starts to get deeper than that, right? It, it's the body, the physical body, it's the breath body. And then it gets into like the mental body, the wisdom body, and then of course the bliss body. Um, so it's a really powerful technique that works at like purging lots of stored repressed feelings, emotions, um, 
karma that you're carrying in from prior lives, karma that you've accumulated in this life of just like this repetitive habitual action of whatever it is that's not serving you. Cause all of, I have it right now, you know, I'm on this cleanse and letting go of like caffeine is like, God, you know, it's like, sometimes we just end up replacing, you know, uh, a substance with a less toxic substance. And then we realize our habitual dependency on that less toxic substance. So it's just a continual unveiling, but yeah, that was a big, long explanation for Kriya. I love Kriya. I love the idea of it. Um, quitting drinking, like, you know, getting sober, like um, quitting a job that you don't like, leaving a relationship that's not good for you, um, moving to a different state because you've always wanted to, you know, like following the whisper. Those are all examples of Kriya, more supportive evolutionary processes and actions. I think it's really important in Scorpio season um, to remind people that. Uh, change is stinky, you know, and, and I know that's kind of a simplistic way of putting it, but I think when I lived at the retreat center up in Vermont, I remember people coming in to do this like month long meditation. And I'd already been there for two months and sort of prepping myself to sit for 12 hours a day for 30 days in a row in Mm -hmm. silence. And people came in thinking like they were going to have this great peaceful experience and that like it was going to transform them and that life is so peaceful and they'll be taken care of. And folks were showing their neuroses out mm-hmm. the gate. You know, yeah. when we show up into our practice, into our seated meditation practice or a Kriya practice, we're bringing ourselves to the table. And as mm-hmm. you said, that there is a purging to get out of the patterns, we have to take direct action to get from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of that as the paramitas in Buddhism. You know, it's like you have to get across, like you have to mm-hmm. do the work to get from one place to the next, to meet our Dharma, to find flow. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is not cute. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the spiritual materialism I see in our culture during, the, during this Neptune and Pisces period where it's like, if you buy the athleisure wear and if you buy the crystals and set up your altar and make your home look like an Instagram graph, then you'll be happy. And that is not at all the case, you know? And I, I recognize the work of like Mari Kondo and that like tidying up your life and letting things go. But with that process comes like the shit of it, the, the tears, Mm -hmm. the grief, the crying, the letting go of the old self, um, be, being lost, not knowing who this replacement version of self is going to be, that mm-hmm. ego clings to ego, thinking that soul is not going to take up enough room, you know? And so I, I really appreciate you sharing kind of like the ugliness of this. And I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you are aware that I am a former drug addict and I'm still in recovery every day, you know, even mm-hmm. after 11 years of being off of uh, substances, that it's a process. Yeah. It is a process. And what I'm seeing, you know, well, you know, I had the added benefit of like, you know, spending a month in India where like, I didn't have, you know, outside responsibilities, you know, my child was taken care of. I could literally just be absorbed into it. And I cried probably a few hours every day, like every day every day in our like long Korea journeys, um, in interactions with people, I got triggered numerous times. I actually had an outburst at a couple people that I felt really, they were kind of like poking fun at me 
but they made me feel really, I felt really stupid. And I kind of like yelled, <laughs> like, I mean, it's not, it's not glamorous. It doesn't always feel good. It feels worse sometimes before it feels better. And that's what, you know, I'm teaching Himalayan meditation, which is, you know, a Bija mantra based meditation with a sacred Kriya, but we're on day 29 it was 29 was this morning. So we go, we get on every day. We've taught the practice over a series of workshops. We get on every morning on zoom and meditate together. And, um, many people are kind of reaching the point now. It's like, my anxiety feels like it's getting worse. Like, um, I am feeling myself getting triggered at stuff that I normally wouldn't. I'm feeling a little irritable. And I'm like, all of this is just stuff that's been stored, right? It's just bubbling up. Like you can't just wake up one day and make a decision that you're just going to be completely different. You're carrying around programming and conditioning thoughts and beliefs that you've gathered over. I mean, when I started this journey, like a few years ago, I was fucking 35. You cannot unwind 35 years worth of experience and conditioning in a day or even a year. Like it's constant. And even recently, like, like last was last week, I had all these car repairs. Like I was like, oh my God, $1,400 in car repairs. Like, are you shitting me? But it didn't affect me the way that stuff like that had in the past. And I was just like, look at that. Holy crap. Like I didn't even feel this increased heart rate. I'm not responding physically. Like this is amazing. And I like shared about it. And then like two hours later, I got like highly triggered by something quite ridiculous, like, you know, on the outside, but it really activated a deep wound of mine, right? Like I have this, like we get into like Enneagram, it's like, I'm a four, this deep need to feel like special and unique and like have to show up differently. This is probably why you and I are friends, <laughs> like connect, but it was like, I felt less special and I could feel like this you know, this trigger coming on, I was getting upset. I was getting angry. I was getting frustrated. And that's, it's just a sign that I, there's work to do there, right? Like, how can I be reflective on this? Like, what is actually happening here? Can I just sit with this discomfort? Do I have to go scroll or go, do I have to like, get out of it? Like, go immediately sit in a breath practice. Like, no, I can just allow myself to just sit with this and um, reflect on it. So the trigger times have definitely gotten a lot shorter but I still get triggered. Everybody gets triggered as someone who's like a facilitator or guide or mentor. Like we deal with the added layer sometimes of judging ourselves for the trigger or shaming ourselves. Like, Oh, I should, I've done so much work. I should be like so much better than this or blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, we're all just out here being human and doing the work and having bad days sometimes and having good days sometimes and meditation. <laughs> It will bring your bats to the surface. It will bring the things to the surface that you haven't dealt with, um, which is why I teach it in the way that I do. I don't like to do like a weekend initiation or a one day initiation. Like, I feel like if you're actually committing to meditation, you're probably going to need a fair amount of ongoing support because of the shit that gets brought up because of all of these old thoughts and stagnant feelings and old trauma comes up to the surface to be like felt and released. So it's, it's no joke, I guess, is what I, what I want to say. It's not for, um, you definitely want to be ready, right? Like, and not even like consciously ready. You just got to be curious enough, um, to, you know, see what comes up.
see what you can do, see what you can handle. That sounds kind of depressing, but. <laughs> Not at all. I, and I appreciate you sharing that like you still get triggered. And I think that more, you know, spiritual mentors and teachers like ourselves, if we're not bullshitting ourselves, we're not bullshitting our students, you know, or clients or whatever that relationship looks like, um, that we are not perfect, you know, mm -hmm. that we are still evolving. And that, that means that we're human and should not be put on pedestals. We just are like, I always think of, uh, you know, like you, you are an inborn teacher. I'm an inborn mirror, you mm -hmm. know? And I guess like probably my son and Vedic would be in the eighth house versus the seventh house, which means like, I am ready to help you dig, dig up your shit. I am mm -hmm. like, what, what it like excavation, excavation, <laughs> you know, Scorpio's house. And I used to call it like the junk drawer or sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And to me, it's just this, this kind of like, like the black at the bottom of an ocean, you know, mm -hmm. what's, what's in there, what is underneath the depths? How can we move through this? Um, with mindfulness and not fear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lauren, I just, like, I pulled your chart because I wanted to look at it. Um, what I love about your chart is this, uh, so suns and Pisces and Vedic, um, actually in the seventh house, you're a Virgo rising in Vedic astrology, which I love because the portion of Virgo that was rising at the time of your birth is this nakshatra called Hasta, which we all know Sanskrit, Hasta, your yogi means hands. Um, so hosta people, you know, I think have, um, power in working with their hands. And so I see people that are like, I know another Reiki practitioner who's a hosta rising, um, a photographer, um, two photographers, actually a massage therapist. So there's lots of healing power in the hands. So what that means though, is you've got mercury in your eighth house in Aries, which is just like this desire to communicate, right? Like to write and to share wisdom, um, through that eighth house of spirituality and eso esoteric wisdom um it's so obvious to me in that placement and that's like that's what's so great that we can have these conversations because the tropical astrology western astrology they're just modes modalities right like technologies they're all relevant like the readings that you've given me have resonated right um and the vedic astrology readings have resonated and they're just different ways and different ways of interpretation um, and visualizing, but it's, it's beautiful. Cause I mean, in tropical astrology, I'm a Western or Western astrology. I'm a Virgo sun, um, which resonates with me deeply, but in Vedic astrology, I'm a Leo sun, which actually also resonates with me deeply. <laughs> I have a lot of Virgo energy in Vedic astrology still with Saturn and Mercury in the 12th house in Virgo. Of course, Virgo energy is going to show up for me. So that's why it's so fascinating to me. It's like, it's all sort of, it's all relevant. It all works. There's no good or bad, not in my eyes. I mean, other people might say differently on both sides, like, oh, this is the best. This is the only way that's not, that's not true to me. Um, it's really about how can I take this information and apply it, interpret it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I was thinking about, um, it, we talked about how astrology as a science is evolving. And I use a lot of the esoteric rulers when I'm doing astrology readings or doing my moon reports, because I, I feel like we are trying to move towards that. And so the mundane or the traditional, although still valid and relevant, the same way that Vedic versus Western would be. But um, you know, I was thinking about Aries and the esoteric ruler being Mercury. 
Mm -hmm. And with Libra, it's Uranus. And I, and those are the planets that I most resonate with as like wisdom teachers and as astrological teachers and the mental capacity that I have that I'm, yeah, I'm, in Western, I'm an Aries sun. And that has served me because I'm very brave and resilient, but very squishy and soft, <laughs> my Pisces moon. Um, but it really, my, my mental faculty has always been like my primary mode. I, I'm not really in my body the way that most Aries are. So mm -hmm. for Vedic astrology to say, oh, Pisces sun, it's like, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And with the Virgo rising, Virgo ruled by Mercury, right? Like um, this need to communicate and intellectualize and strong writing skills. And um, it just shows up. I mean, you have in Vedic astrology, you have Saturn and Libra, which is strong. I mean, Saturn is exalted, considered exalted in Libra and Vedic astrology, um, and it's a more subtler version of Saturn. It's not so like, um, so obvious and painful, right? It's a little bit more on the down low, but it's a great teacher, like strong Saturn placements, great teachers, right? In any house really, um, because that energy just shows up, um, an Aquarius moon, Aquarius and Venus, sorry, <laughs> Venus and moon in Aquarius, um, um my weirdo. Yeah. You're a weirdo. <laughs> <My> weirdo. <laughs> so I see like, when you talk about your tropical chart and I look at your Vedic chart, I see you in both, right? They're just different ways of looking at it. Um, the only difference really that I see the most are the, just the Dasha system, which kind of helps bring to light of like a period, which I think in like Hellenistic astrology, there are seasons, right? There's like epochs or different um, I don't know a ton, so I don't want to like speak too much about that, but, um, that's what I, I really like. And that's what I primarily use too when prescribing practices is, okay, what's happening transit wise. Yeah. Where are the, where's, where's Saturn, where's Jupiter, where are the nodes, but like, what, what actually, what's your season? Like, what are you going through right now? How long is it? Are you coming up on a transition? Cause those transition points where we switch, um, from one planet to another, as the main dasha, those can be, those can be challenging for people because a whole new energy starts to get introduced. And if you're not aware, it can feel, you know, ungrounding and um, overwhelming depending on, you know, which planet you're moving into and how it's placed in your chart, because not only do we have the epoch, right? We have the season, but how it expresses is how it's placed in your chart. Like, is it well-placed? Is it, you know, what house is it in? What themes are going to come up? So they're, you know, they're very closely tied. Um, but it's cool to see trends. It's cool to look at charts of people that, um, you know, you know, closely or famous people and kind of start to see the patterns of um, what cosmic events sort of triggered uh, their expansion or their growth. I mean, the other day, I mean, uh, this sounds weird. I haven't even told anybody I did this yet, but I pulled a uh, uh, Bitcoin's inception chart on Vedic astrology because I was like, oh, I've been seeing this like Bitcoin and I, I don't know. I dabble in crypto just because I'm like fascinated by it, but I was like, Oh, let's kind of look. And I mean, Bitcoin is a, uh, cancer rising in Vedic astrology. So we think like cancer ruled by the moon and this like changeable nature of the moon, always changing signs, you know, every two and a half days. What else was that? Ninth house moon. That's a strong moon placement, like ninth house moon. I don't know. I just got fascinated because I was like, oh, what if, what if I could somehow see something? Who knows? We don't know until we try, right? Look at these patterns. And that's what we did in the training was pull charts of 
who do we pull? Like Adolf Hitler, Mahatma Gandhi, um, Marilyn Monroe, Oprah Winfrey, Donald Trump. Donald Trump was born on an eclipse, um, just in case anybody's wondering about that. Um, John McEnroe, like just kind of these Barack Obama, these like celebrities are like really well-known people. So we could look at their chart and see like time-wise, like how does this show up for them? And I think that, uh, I don't know, that's just really cool. Just really cool as someone who likes to absorb knowledge and wisdom and is kind of a busy body and likes to know, you know, I just like to know, you like to know. Um, I was at, at a but, concert in Chicago and I just sat down on the ground and started looking up Adrian uh, from Big <laughs> chart. I just like plopped in the middle of this field and was like, I'm going to find this bitch's chart. Like, and I, <laughs> I just thought she was so just breathtaking, you know, and that's mm -hmm. usually, I think that's one of the best parts of astrology is, is, you know, understanding people. And it also helps you to understand people that you might not like or that you don't understand. You know, that's mm -hmm. why my mom got into it was that she was going to like kill her kids. You know, we made her crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so she, mm -hmm. I don't mean that that that's kind of violent language, but yeah. I no, mean, I get I, I get what you mean. But that like I did not know, you know, you had read Shiloh's chart, you know, and we had talked about like, OK, Shiloh's. A challenging person that is just like you know there's a lot of energy here but when i started um studying shiloh's vedic chart um i was able to facilitate more compassion for shiloh and like what they're going through because right now everything is up for them everything i mean we're talking like the node um dasha we're talking like a saturn transit over shiloh's moon Mm -hmm. um shiloh has mars on her ascendant in virgo so and that's so and they said it was okay that i would share this but it's a it's a lot it's a lot of energy to deal with it's a lot of movement it's a lot of um feeling psychologically with saturn crossing the moon um but shiloh's a powerhouse packed 12th house dude you know i mean they're gonna find their way to the spiritual spiritual life at some point um a really strong uh fourth house spiritual mother shocking right like we can start to see each other in each other's chart shiloh's in your chart like you and shiloh both have jupiter and sagittarius in the fourth house so it's it's a strong spiritually minded mother like doesn't mean necessarily stable all the time shiloh's is actually in retrograde so a little bit of confusion there a little bit of like and that's just that's just what it is right it's not good or bad it just is um but it was it was really nice to look at that and be like oh okay right? Like, this isn't like, Shiloh's not like <laughs> choosing to be argumentative and confrontational. This is just part of like their personality, like probably going to be a really great lawyer one day or a litigator or something, you know, like that's the kind of energy that Shiloh brings to the table. So it was really helpful to see that. Um, and I love pulling, you know, children's charts for people when I read for them, you know, it's like, what's going on with your kids? Because, we tend to, as parents, think that we are fully responsible for everything, for everything that our, our child, everything they say, all the actions they take, their behavior. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with parents who think that, you know, their ch children's actions are a direct measurement of how well they're parenting, like their own parenting skills. 
And I'm just like, are you forgetting that they're, they're, they're their own unique little soul? You know what I mean? They're coming into this world with karma. They chose you for a specific reason. Like it's, you just do the best you can. And Anand says this all the time. Like one conscious person in a child's life is enough. We just need one conscious person and you working on yourself. That is good parenting in itself. Because your kids are not going to listen to what you say. They're going to they're gonna do what you do. So if you're going to put everybody before yourself, put yourself last, you know, like not take care of yourself, your, your kids are going to do the same thing because that's what you're modeling for them. So anyway, we got kind of off topic there, but it's just, it's just fascinating how you can tie it into everything. Um, I'm really supportive. Well, I'm so grateful to have you just sit and chat with me for a little bit today and hear some of your story. Um, Breath of Rebellion is what mm-hmm. your business is called and you are constantly offering workshops and online classes and the Vedic astrology readings um, with, what, you, what did you call them? Like resolves or like antidotes to some of the issues. Oh yeah. yeah. They're called upayas. They're called remedies. Like um, there's all, that's what's cool too is like we can, recommend different gemstones and different herbs and, um, different colors to wear even and certain, you know, if you're in a place where fasting is helpful for you, there's certain fasting regimens that we can do to help balance out planetary energy. So, um, it's cool. Yeah. I, and that's, and that again, like my offerings are constantly changing because I, one thing I could say about both of us is that we are very embodied facilitators like that is still a major trigger for me is seeing people that are not embodied, like people like, Oh, I want to read charts or I want to be, I want to be a life coach or I want to be that. And it's just like, you got to do yourself first, dude. Like, you know, like you have to embody this work. It has to become who you are. And it doesn't happen by you thinking that's what you want to do. Like the act of like living dharmically flows through you. It's not like I'm going to, I'm going to pick this thing and I'm going to do this thing. And then I'm going to be happy. Like, that's not how it fucking works. Like, that's not how it works. Like your path will unfold as you go. So my offerings are constantly changing, but I love, I love all of that. I love facilitating in person and group. I love, um, uh, virtual work. We're doing the virtual workshop right now. Um, and I love collaborating. I've, um, partnered up with a lot of different local people, you know, Melody Prophet and we do sound baths. And then I did a lot of events out at the farm this year with silent disco and breath with my friend Kelly and um, doing events out at Irisaw with Raylan and Earl Ramey, if you're in local to Des Moines. So I love that. I love, you know, it's just becomes this like super supportive exchange and getting to know more people and opening up more people's eyes to this work because um, we need to learn how to breathe and how to meditate. I mean, it, it's not like a, it's not like a selling thing. Like it'll change your life. It'll fucking change your life. <laughs> as long as you do it, right. You do it, you show up, do it. Things will shift. So it's free. It's accessible. You can do mm-hmm. it anywhere. You just have mm-hmm. to do it. You just have to do it. Just do it. <laughs> so breath of rebellion here. I will uh, plug in all your details uh, you. in the podcast notes. Um, any final thoughts for our audience? I don't know. Just, um, thanks for having me. Eclipse season is coming. I don't know when you're going to publish this. Um, but November is not going to be an easy month. I don't think, um, there's some challenging things going on out there in the cosmos. So be gentle with yourself. 
and um, know that none of us are doing this alone, right? Like you're not alone. Um, so if you ever need help, support, held space, you know, reach out. All right, yeah, that was Haley Nischel and I talking on November 3rd, 2021 at 1.30 p.m., if you're very curious about that. Yeah, we had a, we had a good time talking. I um, always love my conversations with Haley, and, you know, we all, we all need friends, you know, and, and Haley, if you're listening, I really, really honor you and the work that you put in for yourself and for your clients like you're just always striving to to do more and to process more and to keep evolving and changing and you've been a a dear and sacred friend to me since we met and I I really appreciate all the mirroring that you do for me this is Lauren Lauren K Hickman as my professional name uh yeah I'm not I'm not great at branding not great at marketing uh should give you an update that I'm, I'm working on re redoing my website. Uh, Maggie Goldhammer, who some of you probably know from Henna by Maggie, is now Somos Studios. And I love that word, Somos, like somatic feeling. Um, I met Maggie a few years back and, uh, you know, traded her some giant bottles of eucalyptus from Oracacia essential oil <laughs> for her henna her henna workings. Uh, she's done, a, did a really cool chess piece on me and some really cool handwork, uh, alchemical symbols. And she's an amazing human being. Um, that's all I can say about that. But she and I connected again. I said, I need you to make my website as beautiful as your face. Uh, she said, I cannot do that, but I can create a home for you online. Um, so she's kind of doing that, hold me accountable to keep building and keep dreaming. Um, this year really swept me off my, my feet, people, just the, uh, just the everything, you know, and I know that you're going through it too in your own way. And I'm not here to like trauma Olympics and say like, oh, my life is harder than yours. It's not, I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, languishing, which is that nice New York Timesy kind of word for the experience that we're all going through in this um, very traumatic time in human history. Um, You know, fortunately, I've been through a lifetime of like mind numbing news and television war and violence. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm doing okay. I'm, you know, a little little uh, abrasive to any of these things. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm not kidding, though. Um, But I, I really do want to do, you know, more offerings and make myself more available and, and really trying to connect with Milwaukee. So if you have people here, let them know. Um, I'm going to do some, do some work here this week with some locals. Feels good. Love it. Uh, for you in Des Moines, my city of origin, I shall be at Kin, the crystal shop, my beloved, my sponsor, my, my life force, Uh, with Heather Rowe, uh, the owner of Kin, and I'm going to be rocking down to Electric Avenue on Holiday Promenade week one. So that means that Friday, December 3rd, mark your calendars, I will be doing mini sessions, mini astrology sessions at the place where it all started. Still not charging that much 
to do these little ones. So just, just so you know, I'm doing this out of love, people. <laughs> I sound like such a dick. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so those sessions on Friday, I think it's like evening. And then Saturday, I'll be in from like 11 to 4, uh, just doing the same thing, doing those back-to-back shorty sessions, sharing the love, doing a little thing, trying to make you feel good, probably going to make you cry because that's what I'm known for. But did you cry? One of my clients says I should make hankies with dragon's face on it and say like, but did you cry? Who would buy a handkerchief? I think, I think mugs would be, I think that that's, that's a good idea. We're going to see what happens. Merch, maybe. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so December 3rd and 4th, mark your calendars. And then the following weekend, December 9th through the 12th, I will be back at the carriage house by popular demand, back by popular demand. Uh, I missed enough of you while I was in Des Moines that uh, there was a a desire for me to turn around and come back. And I can do that because I just, you know, I want to see your faces. I want to do this work. Um, Doing back-to-back 22 sessions, two to three hours apiece uh, in October while the sun was highlighting my Pluto and Scorpio was pretty magnificent. Um, I... I'm really proud of how far I've come. And it's because of you, all of you who got sessions from me a couple years ago or back in, you know, 2010 when I was still trading, you know, dinner <laughs> or a hemp necklace or something, a draw ring for Reiki, which, you know, goes all the way back to high school for me, just, just trading sessions. And um, I'm uh, really, really grateful to be working with these, these sacred energies that I have a relationship with Reiki that uh, when I'm in person with you, I can offer some of the, the additional trainings that I've received, um, some techniques that work with the collective subconscious, planting good seeds, as we all need in these dark times. So here's me signing off. You know where to find me. If you feel like donating, throw me a couple, couple bucks <laughs> to, to get through some weird times and a very large vehicle bill. Um, Thanks again to Ken for that raffle. Thank you to everyone who donated or asked a question uh, to really, it really gave me a lot of hope and I I needed that more than anything. So thank you so much. And um, I hope that you can, I hope you can stay inspired. We're we're moving into eclipse and winter here in the Northern hemisphere. Um, Take good care of you.